This week on the Drew Goodman Podcast with Julie Brownman. Sports and politics meet again. Sean Doolittle, the, the closer and veteran pitcher, relief pitcher for the Nationals, has said he is not going to go to the White House. I feel like if by not going, you're just taking your ball and you're going home. Aspiring sportscaster, Drew has some advice. If you're afraid of rejection, mm-hmm. if you're going to take shit personally, don't get in this business. No. Because there's a whole, just like baseball, there's a whole lot of failure. There's a whole lot of rejection. Julie gets it off her chest. Yes. I would like to call that person or put it in an email. Exactly. What I fucking think of that person. Should the Broncos stay with Brandon Allen or is it time for Drew Locke? If you're out of it, you got to play Drew Locke. But I don't believe that you can make any sweeping judgment on who he could be down the road based on two or three football games. And CSU head coach Mike Bobo. Last year, I think, was just you know one of those years where everything kind of went could go wrong, went wrong, uh, dealing with my health and a lot of things. I think this year... We're head on the right track. I feel good about us heading down the stretch. The Drew Goodman Podcast with Julie Brownman. Can you sing it all, by the way? No, and I wish I could. I wish I could. Can you play an instrument? I played the flute when I was growing up. Did you play an instrument? I played the violin on two different occasions. I played the bass, that not the bass guitar, the big thing. You did? Yeah, yeah. I was really good. <laughs> what? How old were you? Uh, when I played the bass, I was in middle school, so I don't know, 12, 13. You're like, boom, 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 yeah. boom, boom. No, I can't carry a tune. <laughs> I have no, I wish I did, but I have no musical, among the lack of talent in many areas, that mm-hmm. is one of them. If you got uh, fired or let go or TV just went away, what would you do? <laughs> Can we not go there, please? <laughs> I, I need, mean, I, I, need I love my gig and I need my gig. I understand that. But what's like another thing that you love? Uh, coaching. Okay. So but the problem is, is the levels that I coach, they don't pay you. So, you know, right. where they pay, you know, they don't pay high school coaches. So, um, yeah, I love being in athletics. I love being on the field. And that's how we start podcast number 17. Glad you're all along. Mm-hmm. Um and we we were chatting earlier. We had a lot to do today. We had Mike Bobo on. I, I had Colorado State uh, with AT and T Sports and, and said Bonner and and Brad Thompson and Taylor McGregor and our crew. And CSU's playing very well lately. They've won three in a row. But we're going to talk to Mike Bobo because he's been embattled. Oh yeah. So that'll be interesting. That's our Ideal Home Loans uh, weekly interview. We're going to talk Broncos. Naturally, they didn't screw it up at the end this week. And we'll talk. We'll tie that into the draft a little bit. And we're also going to talk gold gloves. I can't believe it, but Nolan won another gold glove. So we'll get to that. But you and I were chatting earlier, as we typically do on the day of the podcast. And you brought to my attention, because I hadn't even read this yet, that Sean Doolittle, the the closer and veteran pitcher, relief pitcher for the Nationals, has said he is not going to go to the White House. He doesn't want to be a part of that. He's not the first athlete to make that statement, particularly under this current regime with Trump in the White House. I, right. I, I know there was a number of Golden State Warriors, probably most notably Steph Curry, who didn't go. You, and, and I know where you stand politically, you had perhaps for me a surprising take on that. So talking about politics, as you know, can be a dicey thing. But sure. I thought when I when I read the situation and I thought about it, and there have been a number, especially in the NBA, athletes that have decided not to go. I may not agree with this president, but I still very much, it's the presidency and that office to me 
still holds high. I still have high respect for that. And I just, I feel like if by not going, you're just taking your ball and you're going home and you have a situation where you can look the president of the United States in the eye and say, I don't agree with you. And here's why. Now, you may get whisked away by Secret Service. <laughs> I don't know if you have that. <laughs> Do you even have the 10 seconds it would take to say, hey, nice to meet you. I don't I don't agree with how you conduct yourself. I, I don't mean, know. You- but wouldn't you like to see if you could try? I that mean- would be ballsy. Now, I would. Here, here's where I stand. I agree with you. I've always had great, great respect for it's the highest office, not only in the land, it is, you know, you are the leader of the free world as often has been uttered. Um, Without getting into political conversation, I believe whether you agree with policy or not, there is a way one should conduct himself in any leadership role, particularly this one. I understand and respect where Sean Doolittle is coming from. Mm. I have great respect, as I said, for that office. Um, so I don't have I don't have a problem with it. In fact, I'll, I'll read you what Sean Doolittle said. He said, "There's a lot of things, policies that I disagree with, but at the end of the day, it has more to do with the divisive rhetoric and the enabling of conspiracy theories and widening the divide in this country." My wife and I stand for inclusion and acceptance, and he and he went on um, from there. And, and you know what? I think those were all wonderful things to stand for. I I stand for those things as well. And we have the most polarizing person in the White House that we've ever had, at least in my lifetime. And and, and certainly we know everything that is uttered in this day and age as opposed to maybe 50, 60 years ago with everything the president said didn't wasn't open for public uh, consumption. So I I'm with you. I have great great respect for the office. Um, I I understand. I think where Sean Doolittle is coming from, and and I respect that as well. I agree with Sean Doolittle. However, I would like the opportunity to, if I could muster up enough guts, I think I'd be sweating. I'd be like, oh god, I can't, I can't talk right now. Is she going to do it? Everybody, right. is she going to say it? Is she going to say it to me? Or looking? Wouldn't that be great if you could look somebody in the eye and say, man. Let me me ask you this, Julie, because you went through and and you've been open about this on the podcast Mm -hmm. and and you're, you know, I'm biased. You're a wonderful talent. You've had a great career and you're going to have a a continuation of a great career. What happens in the entertainment business, which is what you and I, we're not movie stars, obviously, but we work in the entertainment business. Mm -hmm. That's sports television, right? Mm -hmm. And we, you know, we work in, in a small form of that, right? So it is a very subjective business. You got let go about I got a year. fired. Yeah. Uh, okay. You, I mean, yeah. I was trying to make No, it, I like actually like saying yeah, that. Isn't yeah. that weird? I don't yeah, know. No. Because in this business, mm-hmm. we've all been fired. Well, mm-hmm. 80% of us. Sure. Most people um, have. Most people most have. Most people, if you, if you can't, I tell young people, if you're afraid of rejection, mm-hmm. if you're going to take shit personally, don't get in this business. No. Because there's a whole, just like baseball, there's a whole lot of failure. There's a whole lot of rejection in this business. Yeah. But to your, to what you were saying, has there ever been a, a, a point in time, because we're adults now, we're not 25. Right. And where you wanted to go. I'm going to tell this person exactly what I think in the vernacular that I choose, <laughs> as opposed to being diplomatic. That would see that would be ballsy. That's kind of what you're saying with somebody. Why you may take the opportunity to go to the White House, right? Um, 
You said to me, to you said, when I said I would, I would try and say what I thought, and you're like, well, that'd be ballsy. Right. So. It, it would, you know, chutzpah. You'd have great chutzpah. Great chutzpah. Well, I, yeah. I couldn't be ballsy, right? Because right. it would be chutzpah. Right. It would be chutzpah. Um, so, yeah, of course, I would love to be able to go back. So my, what happened to me, and I hope that when people are listening, there's probably people out there that have been let go from a job, right? It's, it's a crazy up and down kind of thing. My situation was I'd been at altitude for 15 years and um, it was a, it was a surprise. I guess nothing should be a surprise in the business, but somebody had, one of the bosses had been like, Oh, do you want to work in this time slot and this time slot or this time slot? So I'm like, Oh, I might be moving around time slots. Then I get the, the phone call or the text that, Hey, can you meet us in, can you meet us in uh, one of the GM's office? I go down to the office. I walk in. It is what you see in the movies, the GM, HR, program director, COO, everybody. And you walk in, you go, here we go. It's amazing how quickly it happens in your brain. Yeah. You know? And it's sobering, man. That's, uh, yes, it's, it's no fun. So there was a moment in the meeting, um, where the CEO of the company had said, you know, they're letting me go. And he says, you know, Julie, I've just never been a fan of yours as he's letting me go. And so, yes, I would like to now moving forward. Did you respond? I, I was so shocked. Right. I was like, I don't even know what to say. Like, you got to get an, I don't even know what to say right now. Yes. I would like to call that person or put it in an email. Exactly. What I fucking think of that person. Right. Now I've been told, don't ever put anything in an email. <laughs> yeah. So that I, would be big, the ballsiest I, thing I've ever done. Okay. If I did that. Yeah. I, I'm big on that. I'm not, you don't want a paper trail. <laughs> there, there have been, and I'll, I'll stay in the industry, there have been several times, even recently, where you're reaching out to an entity to try to, you know, I'm a play-by-play guy primarily, right? Uh-huh. Uh, you know, to try to get additional games or, or that sort of thing uh, in concert with what I'm doing at AT&T, who they've been fabulous to me, obviously, for a long time. Um, and you won't get even a return and you'll email and call you uh-huh. won't get a return call or a return email now if you don't want to hire me that's fine i'm a big boy i do have thick skin i've learned to have thick skin over a long period of time uh-huh. i'm not some 22 year old kid who you should also return their phone call who's just fresh out of college i mean i've kind of been doing this for a while right and i've done okay that pisses me off to no end and i almost Really want to call, and I, and I still, you know, I'm 56, but I should, just like you, you want to have the balls to go call up and say, hey, listen, that's fine. You didn't friggin' hire me. I get it. There's a lot of talented people out there. Maybe you didn't have an opening. Maybe you didn't have a spot. That's all well and good. Mm-hmm. Have the common courtesy to pick up the damn phone or at least fire off a, a quick email that'll take you 45 seconds to a minute and a half and say, hey, we're all set at this point in time i appreciate you reaching out Mm -hmm. that is what you do i have a lot of young people and i'm sure you do that reach out and want to get in the business college age even high school age and i will always may not be immediately but i will always get back to them because i remember when i first got in the business when i was sending stuff out right out of college and i couldn't believe how many people just even wouldn't get back and i said to myself i'm going to at least get back to people mm-hmm. even if i don't have good news at least get back so yeah 
I'm with you. I I hope one day <laughs> that I'm going to have the balls. And there have been a couple people over the years in particular where you really want to call up and, and say exactly because because they did things that were like what you that that was uncalled for. You know what? You think? Yeah, that's <laughs> yeah. that's different, Julie, than somebody just not getting back. Right. But, but what happened with you? Mm-hmm. That person deserves to hear exactly what you think, mm-hmm. and then and then and then you should be able to walk off and feel good about it. You yeah. Know? But we always worry. We always worry about okay, what what will another shoe drop? How will it affect me down the road? But you know, very few people can authentically just come off and and say, you know what? Fuck you. Yeah. God, I feel like we just had fucking therapy. Oh, no. Yes. Well, there's a time for it. Right. I don't know how we got on this subject. We were gonna I don't know. Yeah. It felt good. You yeah. wanna so uh should we transition to Yeah, you make this nice segue, okay? <laughs> From fuck off to okay. To Broncos. There are some Broncos fans out there that were upset that the Broncos actually beat the Browns and screwed up their draft position. Did you see what I tweeted out? I don't know, like, not to follow me incessantly, but mm-hmm. late in the game, I tweeted out, I said, I think we know how this is going to end. It was when, it was when uh, Cleveland was driving. And, you know, and then unfortunately for the Broncos, they stepped forward, they made some plays defensively, and it didn't end as most of the other games have ended this year. And I said, well, thankfully, it didn't end that way because Cleveland is flat out inept. And then there are some Bronco fans that, I, you know, it's like the old suck for luck I don't know who the Broncos want them to suck for in the draft next April. <laughs> right. But I'm not of that mindset. No. Because this is one thing we definitely know. There's a lot of stuff we don't know. One thing we do know about the NFL draft, Julie, is half of the guys that are selected in the first round, and we're going to hear wonderful little tidbits about them in late April when they're drafted, half of them will suck. Half of them will not pan out. So just because, let's say, the Broncos end up with the 10th pick as opposed to the 5th pick, hypothetically, does that mean that they're getting a better player because they get the 5th pick than the 10th pick? Not necessarily. Well, we have it on the roster right now. Did you hear what Vic Fangio said about Garrett Bowles, who was a first-round draft pick, who I don't think is going to be on the roster next year, says this to the media today. He said, you know, Garrett Bowles is, is pretty confident maybe a little too confident, or maybe those were the extent of the words, you know, that, that, yeah, you may be high up in the draft, but we see, we've seen with Paxton Lynch, a first rounder. It doesn't mean anything. It doesn't mean anything. It doesn't mean anything. Right? He's sneaky candid, isn't he? Vic Fangio. Oh yeah. But there's always something behind. He doesn't say anything. um, He's not not whimsical. It's calculated. It's very calculated. Yeah. He's learning on the job, and I say that as a tease to later on in this podcast, after the Mike Bobo interview, who's mm-hmm. you know a somewhat embattled and and maybe on the hot seat head college football coach, we're going to talk about head coaches at the collegiate level in football and at the NFL level, and you know how ownership or an administration collegiately handles those situations and are they doing them in the right way? Because, uh, you know, we'll, we'll get to it later, but Willie Taggart was fired down at Florida State after he, he didn't even get two years mm-hmm. on the job. Going back to the Broncos, what were your thoughts on watching the quarterback play? Oh, gosh. I was, even though he, what, he only threw it, I went at 12 completions. I mean, it wasn't a high percentage. Right. Um, my thoughts were he didn't turn the ball over. A billion times better, actually, than I thought. 
And I know there was a few people. I think you talked about that he might be better than we thought. Man, I told you, I saw him play in college. I, I had I did one of his games down at LSU. And if you're going to be rattled, you'd be rattled down there. In, in he didn't Baton seem Rouge. rattled at all. He wasn't. He played with poise. I mean, there was nerves. Obviously, the the great catch Cortland Sutton made. You know, he said after that was the worst throw I made all day. And Sutton Sutton made made a great play. But he he handled his business. He handled his business. Yeah, you know, and even Dalton Reisner said that did he, in the huddle that he said that he's been really calm in the huddle and he kind of chilled everybody out. I think he handles his business. Um, I don't know if he's the next coming, if he's going to be the quarterback of the future. He's not, right? Well, here here's what <laughs> we're going to be talking a lot about this, Julie. What if, here's a what if for you. Brandon Allen the four of the next five are on the road. Right. I, I'm, I'm not disillusioned. The Broncos are not a good football team. As I've said many times this year, they're decidedly mediocre. They're somewhere between lower middle class and maybe middle class. Okay? Mm-hmm. They play hard. Good for them. They ought to play hard. They're missing enough talent to be a, a major player right now in terms of wins. But what what if they're pretty decent and and you get to the final two three weeks of the season? Do you still play Drew Locke if Brandon Allen's been playing fairly well? Are they sniffing a wild card? Are they? You know what I mean? Well, if you're if sniffing a wild card, you got to play the guy right. that's got you right. know, the level right. that you're, you're sniffing out a wild of it, card. You got to play Drew Locke. You can't get. We can't relive the Paxton Lynch era. And not we gotta you gotta find out exactly who Drew Locke is and what he's got. But but will you? That I'm gonna throw it right back at you. We're and I've heard other people on the radio say kind of what what you're saying, Julie. That you know, all right, you gotta play him. I'm, I'm you know two or three weeks to quote unquote like you said, find out what you have. And I and I understand that. But I'm like, time out. What do you go find out in two or three weeks? It's better than not finding anything at all. Right. But but he, let's say he's terrible. Let's say they lose all three. Let's say you give him three starts, Jules, mm-hmm. and he and he goes the team goes 0 three and he you know, he completes 51 percent of his passes. He has two touchdowns and five interceptions in those three games. Well, then are, maybe are you start gonna, looking at a quarterback in so, the draft. So, boom, you're already done with him. Well, that's it. No, I mean, I guess I don't I guess you have to go by the eye test and also stats. I mean, if he's horrific. You kind of have to start looking at a quarterback. If there's flashes and glimpses, you go, okay, maybe we can work. Maybe we can work with this kid. But you can't keep him on the sidelines because we all know that you can look great in training camp. You can look great in OTAs, but it's totally different than playing in an NFL game. I, I, I agree with you a thousand percent. And I also, I was playing devil's advocate to a certain degree. I do believe you should play him this year, but I don't believe that you can make any sweeping judgment on who he could be down the road based on three football games, two or three football games, whether they're really, really good somehow or really, really bad. I think it is so unfair. It is a big problem in the industry from from a quarterback standpoint. It's the di- most difficult and most demanding position in all of sports. And to make a sweeping judgment on a team that's not very good. I mean, who's who's great around him? You got a Philip hard Lindsay. work. Philip Lindsay's a good player, right? Yeah, he's, not a, great, he's not a great player. Courtland Sutton. He's a really good player. I, I think he's a really good player. I love Philip Lindsay. Who doesn't love Philip Lindsay? I think Courtland Sutton's a guy coming on, mm-hmm. you know, potentially could be mm-hmm. a number one receiver. Noah Fant had a nice week, kind of a breakout game. You like 
like his talent. Their old line is not very good. We know that. We right. you, know, you bitch about it every week, right? Yes, I do complain about it. Yes. I'd like to use that word. I'm um, sorry, Dalton Reisner. You like Dalton Reisner? I like Dalton Reisner. No, okay. you're right. They're the so, cupboard so how is fair not... is it to go? Boy, this guy doesn't look a thing like uh, Russell Wilson right now. I mean, yeah, I'm saying if he if he played two or three games and he, and it wasn't great. Were they wrong on Paxton Lynch? Because Paxton had kind of the same thing around him, which wasn't a lot. Well, they were what, not wrong on Paxton. What we learned, and Julie, you're down there a lot. What we learned is that Paxton Lynch wasn't picking up the nuances of the offense. There, there mm-hmm. was a lot more than the physical side. Is that accurate? Yeah. Okay. Which means they didn't do their homework before they drafted him, in my mind. There are other guys that, you know, you just you have to you have to let it play out and you have to give them chess pieces to be able to ask them to win a chess match. That's my point. Okay, very good. Hey, before we take a break and hear from Mike Bobo, quick thoughts on Nolan Arnato winning his seventh straight Golden Glove Award. I was shocked. Couldn't believe it. I mean, right? I thought, where did I, he come I, from? I mean, Who is this guy? Really? I mean, was that that was the biggest no brainer going and there and there are other really good third basemen uh he, he's a phenomenal talent he's on a hall of fame trajectory good for him i i teasingly tweeted out that you know why don't you save some postage and, and mail him the next seven uh as well it is really cool when you can watch here's here's a a, a phrase we like to use right now a generational player and realize that you're watching or generational talent um, each day, and that's what Rockies fans had the luxury of watching. And the kid next to him uh-huh. is really friggin' good. And, and with all with all due respect, um, you know, to to the Arizona shortstop who won the Gold Glove this year, mm-hmm. Nick Ahmed, and Nick's a terrific player. But but Trevor, you, you couldn't play a better shortstop than Trevor played this year. No. And and I certainly hope uh, because he was deserving. I certainly hope that uh, he wins. Um, several in his career because he's that good defensively. I just hope this generational player that we get to see gets to go to the playoffs, gets to experience winning because I think that's a waste. If not, yeah. Well, you hear that. I, I took when, when I commented. It's naturally so. I, I made some comments on the Broncos yesterday, Julian. You love this the, the Twitter universe of you know people in their basement. Some of them, um, their <laughs> what they say, their mother's base. Oh, this from the guy who follows the worst team in Denver. And I, I had a couple of those, and and you know the Rockies suck. And I'm like, really? Two of the last the Rockies were right. had a bad year, bad year, no question. Two of the last three years, the Rockies were in the postseason. You're right. In a sport that is the toughest to make the postseason. So you know, Nolan's been to the postseason. Mm-hmm. Now it's about winning in the postseason, and it's not just about the guy who swings the bat. Bryce Harper learned that, right? Mm-hmm. He, he got to watch his former teammates have a big parade in, in D.C. So uh, I'm with you. I'm, I'm with you, and I, I think you speak for everybody in our region. Want to see uh, Nolan perform deep into October. When we come back, our Ideal Home Loans interview of the week. Drew caught up with CSU head coach Mike Bobo. We'll talk college football next on the Drew Goodman Podcast with Julie Brown. Hey, quick moment to talk about our good friends at Ideal Home Loans, Brent Ivinson and his crew. Around since 2001, they've helped so many homeowners get the absolute best mortgage possible. The rates are unbelievable right now. So give Ideal Home Loans a call at uh, 303-867-7000. It's 303 867 
7,000. They have an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau. They're a local direct mortgage banker. So whether you're purchasing a new home, refinancing, or maybe you're trying to uh, consolidate debt, they're the folks to call, 303-867-7000. Also, they have salary-based folks there, so you're not going to get the heavy, heavy sales pitch. They're going to go to where is most convenient for you. If it's your home, if it's your place of business, they're going to move around and help you out and answer any question you may have about what is a very important process and a very big process in the grand scheme of things. It's Ideal Home Loans. They're terrific. 303-867-7000. 303-867-7000. So Ideal Home Loans brings us our interview each week and this week it's the head football coach at Colorado State University Mike Bobo first and foremost how you feeling I know you get that a lot yeah. I know you're embarrassed by it and it's the last thing you want to talk about but uh, how are you doing oh I appreciate you asking uh, Drew I'm, I'm doing a lot better uh, actually got I uh, can hold a football now my right hand uh, I actually threw something the other day I couldn't even hold one uh, 10 months ago uh, so it definitely feels better my feet uh, feel a lot better. Uh, my, you know, my sound a little stuffed up right now, but I feel better. Uh, all the issues I have with my immune system, and I just have some numbness on my feet and my feet, but it's getting better. I could do a toe raise now. I'm getting there slowly but surely. Not quite sprinting yet, but I'm I'm getting better. So we're not going to time you in a forty anytime soon. No, they're not going to time me in a forty. Uh, sometimes I start running from one end of the field uh, at practice, and the players start laughing. You know, so can you beat me, coach? I'm like, no, I can't. <laughs> you, you know what actually cracks me up because we we had you guys a couple times last year, and um, I believe it was a Utah State game, which was a heck of a game and a controversial finish. Unfortunately, it didn't go the way of the Rams. Uh, for you guys, but it was a cold day, and you want you you're trying to set a tone for this for this school and your football team, and you're out there in a t-shirt. And coach, I was cold for you. Yeah, well, I'm not gonna lie, I got cold in the second half, and then I, I felt my you know teeth start to to chatter a little bit, uh, and I could kind of hear it. The guys on the headphones, and I'm not one of those guys that holds a play sheet in front of my mouth, but I started doing it right then, so people wouldn't see how cold I really was. But we had played so bad against uh, Nevada on the road and just thought, you know, displayed no toughness, uh, no effort. I was totally disappointed and kind of, you know, that was that going into that game was kind of when I just set the tone for what I thought was going to happen this year about being tough. And I said, I said, it doesn't, nothing matters, circumstances, anything, adversity, we're going to play. And I kind of said, hey, I don't care how cold it is. Because sometimes when it gets cold, your kids start to they wander to that heated bench and want to sit by it. And I was like, it's not that cold. We're going to play. And we played an inspired game, uh, that game. And, and I was proud of our kids, but fell short. You know, I, I look at, and I know you do, because this is what you live 24 hours a day. When I'm getting ready to call a football game, I look at kind of the, from a, 10,000 foot, you know, I'm not there every day, but a 10,000 foot view. And I say, what's the culture of the team? And I'll give you an example. Uh, uh, we've had Wyoming a couple of times. And one thing you know about their identity is they're going to be a tough, hard nose. They're going to run and play good defense. And they're tough. Are you still searching, you think, for an identity with your, with your team? Well, that's that's what I want uh, out of our football team. Uh, I tell them all the time, you know, my mom or my wife might not know a lot about football, but when they watch us, you know, from the stands or on TV, like this is a team that gets after it for four quarters and plays extremely hard. And I really feel like we have done that this year. 
uh, played hard. We've been in every game. We hadn't been able to get out of our own way. Uh, turnovers has been an issue uh, in games, but uh, you know I feel like we've got better every week. Um, we've controlled the turnovers the last two weeks, and we've had big wins on the road. You know, there's always a lot of noise. It, it comes with the territory. I mean, you know that from, from where you're from, from yep. being a coach's kid, etc. How do you block out that noise and know that you're on the right path? Well, I think from experience, uh, I mean, you, you gave a lot of examples. You know, when you're a coach's son and you play quarterback, you hear a lot of noise. When you're a quarterback in the Southeastern Conference, uh, there's a ton of noise. And then when you're an offensive coordinator, uh, everybody knows how to call plays. Uh, so I, I've, there's been noise my whole life and experiences of, you know, learning how to block that out. Uh, you're all human and you hear things. Uh, you're all human and you want to, you want people to think that you're good at what you do. You know, we all have egos, but at the same time, uh, you got to take constructive criticism. Uh, you got to look at your program and you got to do what you feel is best because if you start changing all the time, uh, then, you know, your players aren't going to believe in what you're doing. Uh, I feel like we got a good culture here this year. Last year, I think, was just, you know, one of those years where everything kind of went, could go wrong, went wrong, uh, dealing with my health and a lot of things. I think this year we're headed on the right track. Uh, I know we're only three and five, but I feel good about us heading down the stretch. You know, when you look around here, you have, uh, particularly for, you know, this conference, uh, and, and you can go back to where you're from. I mean, you were in the best conference year in and year out in college football. You have great facilities. You have a beautiful campus. You have, you have a lot of things that you'd want. When somebody from the outside says, why are they not winning more consistently? How do you reply? Well, I think it's a it's a process. You know, I think I think when, you know, people, you build a, a new stadium in 2017, people think immediately, well, that means they're going to win. You know, I mean, that was the, you know, after that season was the first time we actually recruited and brought people in this facility. Uh, yes, we signed some good players before that, but, you know, we're, you know, we're at Moby and nothing wrong with Moby, but we're doing all our uh, – you know, visits at a hotel. We didn't take them to any facilities. We didn't show them. We didn't have anything to show them. Uh, so it's just been since 2017, uh, since we're in this building. Um, just because it's, you know, brick and mortar doesn't mean it's going to happen. I think it takes time. Uh, I think it's consistency with uh, the voices that they're hearing uh, and consistency being a coach. I mean, you look back at, I mean, this program, how many head coaches have they had? It's like 23 or 24. How much changes have they had? I think, you know, we've got continuity right now. You know, we got to keep that going. Now, I know it's a bottom line business. You know, I'm in this business. I know you got to win football games, and I feel confident we're gonna we're gonna win down the stretch. What, what's your vision going forward when you when you look and say, hey, I I think this program can be. And Boise has carried the mantle in this conference for a number of years now. Can you be Boise? I think there's a number of teams in this conference that are very good. This is a tough, tough league right now. Um, I mean, there aren't any games that I think you're going to walk out there and throw your hat out and win. I think that's the same for Boise now. You know, we want to be competing for a conference championship every year. Uh, and that's going to, you know, I think you do that with consistency of, of doing what you're doing, doing the right things all the time. And, you know, early in the year we weren't. We were turning the ball over. You can't turn the ball over and win ball games. I do think we have a, a good football team. We can control that. You know, we can't compete. Now, when we get back in the race this year, there's too many things that probably have to happen. Uh, but we can't control how we play this this point going forward. Why is uh, Colorado State turned into wide receiver you? That's <laughs> uh, a good question. We walked in the door and you had a good receiver in, in Rashad Higgins, uh, and uh, you know, and you kind of 
change a little bit what you're doing offensively. Uh, had a connection in Georgia and got, you know, with Michael Gallup, got him and Preston Williams. Uh, Warren was a guy we recruited here, Warren Jackson, and, and saw what we were doing and felt the, you know, the family atmosphere and wanted to be a part of that. Uh, Nate Craig Myers uh, from Auburn, it's kind of, you know, had a connection with him, cr- recruiting him early on. But I really think it's because uh, I've had to expand of how I do some things offensively. You're not going to be able to line up and run the ball kind of some of the ways I did at Georgia. Uh, your best players may be a skilled player, so you got to find different ways to get him the ball other than the traditional stuff, and that's what we've done. You know, I've had great receivers at Georgia. i got several that are playing in the NFL. They didn't have numbers like I, like we have here. Uh, I think that's because we had so many good pieces around those receivers at Georgia. They weren't needed to be the focal point here. It's like, who is your best player? All right, let's get him the ball, have a chance to be effective. Have you found that, that that's opened some doors on the recruiting trail? Because, I mean, even with some of the, the disappointing losses you've had, Colorado State moves the football. Um, yeah. And Colorado State scores points. They have wide receivers that not only have done well collegially, they're, they're doing well at, at the next level also. You have some good-looking quarterbacks. Has it opened some doors? There's no question it opened some doors uh, with the quarterback position. Uh, you know, because, you know, we're still do some pro style stuff and we don't, I'd love to have a guy that can run. Don't get me wrong. Uh, you know, uh, but we're more of a traditional, he gets the ball, the playmakers and there aren't a lot of offenses out there that do that. So you, you have a, uh, that opens a door for you at the quarterback position. Maybe you can recruit a quarterback that has power five offers. Receiver, same thing. Uh, you know, Warren Jackson, a kid who was committed to a Pac-12 school forever, but we just kept recruiting him, kept recruiting him, showing him, you know, what we do here and the opportunity you have to come here and still go to the next level. You know, and, and you fight that all the time. You know, the power five uh, kids' egos, you know, they you've, you've recruited them all year and you feel good about it and they get a power five offer at the last minute. They go because it's power five. We're trying to show them that, hey, look at, Look at these guys that play this position, and now they're having success in the NFL. Now we got to get that to happen at other positions, uh, also. But receiver and, and quarterback is something that we point to a lot. Real quick, uh, it, it's been a couple weeks now. Obviously, it's been longer than that. You're going to play a, a home and home for a little bit with with Colorado on campus. Good thing. I think it's a great thing. Uh, you know, it's obviously awesome playing uh, at. Uh, I don't know the name of the stadium. Neither do I, whatever they're calling it. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Hey, Mile High. I know it's Mile High. That's how, what it was That'll for, work. forever of me growing up and watching the Broncos uh, play back in the day. Uh, but that was a great experience. You know, I wish we could have found a way to win, you know, some of those games there for our kids to feel that moment with that large crowd. But now to bring, you know, on campus. And, you know, I think that's where the game you know, needs to be. Uh, you know, I played Georgia-Florida forever and coached in that game. And uh, they just I just saw where they extended it to somewhere in the mid-2020s. I just, you know, when you get home and home, there's that atmosphere on your campus and playing your arch rival at home and then going to their place and having a chance to play them and beat them there. There's nothing, you know, there's nothing like that. Uh, I think it'll be electric here this year when Colorado comes on campus. I don't know when the last time they've been on campus, but uh, it's going to be one of the biggest games here. It'll be the biggest game we've had at this stadium for sure. How does a quarterback spawn a, a guy who puts his hand in the dirt? By the way, uh, you know, you, you, you just you talk, you show them what we do. You know, we we run and throw the ball. Uh, and, and those, no, I'm talking about your son. Oh, my son! I'm talking spawn, about your son. Oh, okay. Well, it's his gene. I guess it's his mom's genes. You know, <laughs> my dad was old coach, but he was old lineman coach. 
Uh, my son wanted to play quarterback forever, and he kept growing, kept growing. It was tight end. And then, it, you know, I, show, I talked to him about linemen. I show him a lot of these young linemen uh, in the state that were older than him and, you know, how they worked and how they uh, – and now where they've got a chance to go to school. Uh, at first it was basketball because uh, he was the biggest – and I had to tell him, I said, look, son, everybody loves basketball. I love basketball. I'd rather go to basketball practice and football practice any day. <laughs> I said, I think your future's uh, at offensive line. And he's gotten um, – he's improved, and now he kind of likes it. He's got a little nasty about him. Um, you know, we still got to work on his foot quickness a little bit. Uh, but I think that will come. He's only 15, wearing a size 15 shoe. Um, I get to go see him tonight, which I'm excited about. Uh, you know, I've seen two or three games, and – you know, when your son asks you over and over, you coming, Dad, you coming, Dad, you know, you got to be there uh, as a father. But, you know, the thing, I always go, but then he doesn't want to listen to my advice. So I'll just be there as a parent cheering on and uh, cheering on the Cougars, the Resurrection Christian Cougars. That's who I cheer for now. There you go. i, I got to ask you, Tiger, after his win uh, last week, was asked uh, because we, he's a captain of uh, one of those international teams, and he said, um, yeah, the player – has gotten the captain's attention, talking about himself, obviously. Yeah. So has, uh, has the kid gotten the uh, head coach at Colorado State's attention? Oh, yeah. He's, he's got my attention. Uh, I already told him, uh, you you got an offer here at Colorado State, but dad's going to pay for it so we can sign another player. <laughs> you know, we could get two for one right there. That's my plan. <laughs> there, there you go. Hey, last one. You, you have that draw. You're, you're Georgia through and through. You, you still recruit heavily in the southeast. It's been a number of years now that you've been here with your family, and I've seen pictures of, of, of your beautiful family. You feel like a Colorado now? Oh, yeah. I feel like this is my state. I'm extremely excited uh, that we're wearing the state pride uniforms this week uh, and represent this state. Uh, you know, we talk about it all the time. You know how blessed we are to live here. Uh, you know, obviously in Colorado, but in this Fort Collins community, uh, my kids. You know, because that's important. You know, where you're going to raise your family, and that was one of the reasons why I went after this job because I thought it was a great place to raise my family. And now, you know, you look at the pictures of when we got here and where they are now, and they're now. I got four teenagers. Uh, it's going fast, uh, and you know, I. I'm not a guy that took a job to, to move somewhere, so hopefully we can get the job done and I can I can you know finish you know at least finish with those guys being graduating here from Colorado. Michael, it's good to see you. Appreciate the time. Thanks, Drew. That interview brought to you by Ideal Home Loans. I am really glad that the Rams have won three straight. We had talked about CSU before and Mike Bobo absolutely being on the hot seat. I don't like to see anybody lose their job. I just don't. I think I really like him. I think he's I, he's just he's a, like a really good guy. So I'm really glad for obvious reasons to see CSU get back on track. And I know you got I mean, we heard it. You guys talked about that. You didn't avoid he's he hears what's out there. Right. Well, it, it, it's unavoidable. Uh, you know, the the outside noise. He's been in the business a long time. We talked about this, Julius. You know, he's he's the son of a coach. Mm-hmm. He was he played in the SEC. So guess what? Uh, even before Twitter, if you don't have a good game in the SEC and you're playing at the University of Georgia, I mean, they may put a you know for sale sign on your lawn if you're the coach, and if you're the quarterback, you, they're probably egging your car, right? Mm-hmm. So he he understands that. Uh, you're absolutely right. He is a really likable guy who can really recruit. My take on on Mike right now is that he is has he's learned quite a bit on being a head coach because he is a terrific offensive coordinator and he's an outstanding recruiter. They have they have really good talent up there. I mean, heck, yesterday they had, in the NFL, B.C. Johnson scored a touchdown. 
former wideout from Colorado State, graduated mm-hmm. last year, draft pick of Minnesota. Preston Williams scored two touchdowns as Miami finally won a football game. Rashard Higgins didn't have a catch yesterday in Denver, but he plays for Cleveland. Michael Gallup, who is yeah. as we as we talk right now, is playing on Monday night football for the Cowboys. He's their second leading receiver. They get talent. And he can really move the football. They they're getting better on defense. I think they're actually on the right track. And I know there's a lot of detractors up there because they haven't beaten Wyoming. They haven't beaten Air Force. Couple They've years got a chance to this. Right? Yeah, That's they do. coming up. A couple of years ago, they blew a four touchdown lead against Boise State. Mm-hmm. So they've never beaten Boise State. You got, And obviously, they've struggled with Colorado lately. So they haven't beaten any of their rivals. But I think too frequently we make coaching changes too rapidly. And I, I know it's the fifth year, and there's plenty of reason to be disappointed if you're a Rams fan. You have that new stadium, and it's gorgeous. They they don't have to take a backseat in terms of facilities to anybody, but they should hang in with, with Mike Bobo. So I think if, and I was going to ask you, does winning three in a row, but if you lose to Air Force, Wyoming, and Boise State, does that negate it? And is he still very much in the hot seat and in danger of losing his job? I think if CSU can pick up a win against a really good Air Force team, Wyoming team who's having a great year, as you said, they never beat in Boise State. Does he need one of those? I think one. I think one of those makes it a slam dunk that that he's back. Mm-hmm. Now it's an, it's not an easy buyout if if, if you want to go there, which I don't because I I just said I I don't think you should make the change up there mm-hmm. uh, because sometimes we forget. You, you have a right to learn how to be a head coach. Vance Joseph had a right to learn how to be a head coach. If you're going to hire a guy who's never been a head coach, Vic Fangio is not as young as, as, as Joseph was. He'd never been a head coach. I know we like to call him, you know, the, or, you know, the, the nice Uncle Vic and, and Grandpa and all those things because he's in his early 60s. Mm-hmm. He still, as long as he's been in football, he's still never been a head coach. If you're going to hire that guy, Jules, that's never been a head coach, there's going to be typically some growing pains, and you should hang in there. For how long, though? Well, look I'll, I'll, look at this. So we said earlier, Willie Taggart got fired at Florida State. He didn't even coach two full years. Willie Taggart had been, a, had been a head coach. Let's check back and see how much better Florida State is in a couple of years. When you look at the Denver Broncos, John Fox left after a 12-4 season. He won four straight division titles, gone. Got to take the, that again. <laughs> how, how, how have the Broncos been since then? Well, Peyton Manning also left. That's that's true. That was part of it. I I definitely understand that. But he had more head coaching experience. He had a hell of a lot more head coaching experience. And Mm -hmm. guess what? He was a shitload better as a Denver Bronco head coach than he was early on when he was a Carolina Panther head coach. You know, I have never been so glad to do a podcast than today. Why? We got a lot of F-bombs out. We 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 just, I mean, we said it like it is. No, but I, I just think we're you, – you can look at a lot of schools, and some are like the, the middle-level schools. Like take Rutgers. They change coaches every couple of years, and they're still mm-hmm. no, typically no good, right? Yeah. Look back here, – here's a great example. For folks that have been in Colorado in this region for a while, I just thought of this. I just – I had an epiphany. Okay. Bill McCartney – they want to run Bill McCartney off. Julie right now for that right. video is nodding yep. affirmatively. They want to run Bill McCartney off because when he first took over and he was this guy from Michigan, an assistant coach, and it wasn't very good. 
It, it was more of the same, right? And they kind of hung in there, maybe because they didn't want to buy him out. I don't remember what the particulars were. It was right around the time I was moving to Colorado. And they hung in there, and we all know what blossomed. Had they run off Bill McCartney, there may never have been the dominance of Colorado football in the late 80s through the 90s into the early part of the 21st century national championship in 90 and, to, you know, perennial top five program. They hung in there and it turned out. And that's that's my advice to Colorado State. And it's my advice to sometimes you can tell bad fit. We made a bad choice. Cleveland may have made a poor choice with Freddie, with, Kitchens? With Freddie Kitchens in that he may not be ready for that. I don't think Vance was ready for it. I would say that that was an OK. I'm glad he got a job. That was an OK time to let Vance go. I do. Mm-hmm. I don't think it was going to get any better do you uh, here's here's again what you don't know you would assume i, I keep coming back to this it'll improve that he looks back on his yeah. first year and his second year and he says i'm going to handle this differently i'm going to do this differently in team meetings i'm going to discipline differently i'm i'm going to stand up in personnel meetings and say you know what no i don't like this guy but i really like this guy and i i don't we're not privy to that but you do learn as you go along if you have the intellect and the acumen. And clearly, you know, John Elway felt like, and a lot of people did, that, that Vance Joseph had this kind of potential. But they don't allow the potential to be borne out. I agree. And we will end the podcast with, I agree with you, Drew. You know everything. I want to end every podcast <laughs> the exact same way with you agree with me. No, that would be boring. Julie, have a great week. Thank you. We'll see you next week on the Drew Goodman Podcast with Julie Brown.